Hi, I'm Carrie from Donovan, Illinois, a Walmart scholar attending the AACP annual meeting from Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. episode, we talk with William Stilling, founding partner of Stilling & Harrison, a law firm in Salt Lake City, Utah, specializing in healthcare law and associate clinical professor at the University of Utah College of Pharmacy about the legal ramifications of marijuana for medical and recreational use. Welcome to the Pharmacy Forward Podcast. I'm Joshua Fleming, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Ha Fan, a PGY2 Ambulatory Care Practice Resident from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. Hello and welcome. Our topic today is marijuana with a particular focus on its legal aspects. As many of our listeners are aware, many states have legalized the use of marijuana for medical purposes, and a few states also allow the recreational use of marijuana. While the federal law continues to classify marijuana as a Schedule One controlled substance, more states have been legalizing medical marijuana since Colorado led the way in 2012. With the legalization of medical marijuana, this stems to some questions such as how this legalization affects us as, as practitioners, our patients, as well as our students. Our guest today is Bill Stilling, Associate Clinical Professor in the Department of Pharmacotherapy at the University of Utah and founding partner at Stilling and Harrison Healthcare Law. Bill focuses his practice in pharmacy law, working with clients that include nutraceutical and dietary supplement companies and many other areas of pharmacy. Within the last few years, Utah has joined many other states in legalizing the use of medical marijuana for qualifying illnesses. So we're delighted to have Bill Stilling today with us. Welcome. Glad to be here. Bill, with the legalization of marijuana in several states, can you give us a brief history lesson on the legalization of medical marijuana and what this legislation entails? Additionally, where do you see this legislation going on the state and federal level? The history is, is that 1996, California was the first state to legalize medical marijuana. As you said in the beginning, it's still a Schedule One substance, which is different from a drug because controlled substances don't necessarily have to be drugs. So California opened the floodgate in 1996, and multiple states in years following also allow medical marijuana. I think there's about 33 states now that allow some form of legal marijuana. We in Utah this past year passed a law that allows medical marijuana. In fact, in, in Utah, like a few other states, pharmacists need to be involved. So that's where we are in terms of medical marijuana. The laws don't allow prescribing because if a physician prescribes medical marijuana, they could be sanctioned with a DEA registration. So various states use terms like recommend or authorize uh, the use of marijuana for patients in that state. Patients will have to qualify by showing that they have a particular condition that the state allows the use of marijuana. So that's the medical part. The recreational part uh, started a number of years ago. Colorado, as you said, was uh, the first. And now the I think the entire West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington, then Nevada, and then there are multiple states on the East Coast that have legalized marijuana. So one thing for pharmacists to keep in mind is that the federal governments, while it is a Schedule One substance and it can be a misdemeanor or felony depending on the amount of marijuana possessed, there have been a number of memoranda through the years, the federal government trying to accommodate these states. 
But the most recent move has been that Congress, in its Budget Act, prohibited the Department of Justice from using any of its funds to impede the state's implementation of its marijuana laws. And in doing so, the DEA then can't enforce federal law if people are complying with state law. So there's some cover now for most people who are engaged in the medical marijuana business. The pharmacists still have to keep in mind that their state boards of pharmacy, that that budget act doesn't prevent state boards of pharmacy from acting against pharmacist licenses. Right, that, that's an important point to make in terms of the board of pharmacy and and how, regardless, how we have to be careful with our wording of prescribing medical marijuana versus recommendation of medical marijuana. And at my previous institution where I was for my PGY-1, I know in that state, medical marijuana legislation was passed, and we were working on policies to accommodate patients who present with medical marijuana from an outside source. What do you think that this means for our patients, or at least those that travel between areas that have had legalized marijuana and move into states where it is not legalized? Well, like with everything else regarding, quote unquote, legal marijuana, uh, it's complicated. And there aren't clear legal answers. And I know that hospitals and other institutions are struggling with this. Of course, there are various scenarios. One is you can have a state in which medical marijuana is legal. And so the cleanest issue would be somebody comes in, they're qualified to use medical marijuana or cannabis in some form, and they come into the hospital with that. In those states, they certainly seem to have cover under state law. There are still federal issues in, in the sense that, you know, they're getting reimbursement from the federal government for services, yet they're technically committing a federal crime in providing those services. There haven't been any cases or action by the federal government to take action against hospitals or other healthcare institutions based on things like the False Claim Act. So institutions could take comfort from that. Other issues would be just the security of the of the marijuana when it gets in the, into the facility. Is it going to be kept in the pharmacy? That's difficult because the pharmacies are still under the jurisdiction of the state board and the DEA. Chances are the DEA won't take any action because of this prohibition on using Justice Department funds. Then you have states where it's legal, but people are bringing it in from other states. That creates some complications. But I think if people are qualified for the same conditions that they're bringing it into the hospitals for, then I think it'd probably be a, an easier thing to deal with. Probably the most difficult situation is states where it's either continues to be illegal with no medical use allowed or very limited medical use. And in those situations, the hospitals, again, run afoul of state law and federal law. But it's necessary to somehow accommodate these people because it's a fact of life that people are using marijuana for therapeutic purposes, at least perceived therapeutic purposes. And when they bring these things into the, into the hospital, there's got to be some continuity of care. And there's a fear that if they don't allow those people to have their medical marijuana in whatever form it is, that that could affect their ongoing care. It could be that there are drug interactions between the marijuana and other drugs. And if you take the marijuana away, you're going to get different types of drug levels. And so under joint commission guidelines, the hospitals have an obligation to, to address drugs brought in by patients. But it's a, it's, a, it's a very complicated question legally. But ultimately, I think hospitals are focusing on patient safety and trying to do the best they can for patients. Bill, that brings up a very good point with health systems and having to take care of patients and continuity of care kinds of issues that a lot of us have had to face. And a lot of health systems still trying to figure out how do we handle that and what do we do? 
Kind of joined with that, though, is some of the potential use for recreational use of, of marijuana or even use of medical marijuana in our employees and in our students who may be working in healthcare. What are some of the things that our pharmacists and our pharmacy students, residents need to keep in mind when they think about or they're using these types of products as they enter into the workforce or, or, or as they are currently in the workforce? Well, that's an important point because sometimes uh, people will think that what they're doing is legal because the substance is legal in their state, and they really have to rethink that. So there are a number of things to consider. One is going back to the hospital situation. What happens if somebody's bringing in marijuana, but they don't have a legitimate use? They're just doing it for recreational purposes. And so I think hospitals probably draw a line there, and they're not going to let people bring it in for recreational use. In terms of employees, there have been a number of cases that tested this. So in a state where medical marijuana is legal, the paradigm is usually somebody can use it in accordance with the doctor's recommendation and the, the scope of their condition. And if they possess marijuana, they, they're not going to be arrested for it. Of course, if they're driving and they're over certain blood levels determined by the state, they can still be arrested for driving while intoxicated, even if they have permission to use it. And so whether they're lay people or students or professionals, they need to keep that in mind. Uh, then there are the employment issues, and there's a case in Colorado, probably the most well-known case that went up to their Supreme Court, in which a person who had a legitimate use for marijuana, there was no question about the fact that he was using it in accordance with Colorado law, but was tested on the job and tested positive for marijuana and then was terminated. And he appealed to the uh, various courts in Colorado, and they all pretty much held the same thing, and that is that medical marijuana while legal in Colorado, is not legal federally. And that the statute that allows for use of substances, what are called legal use statutes, that allow for things like smoking tobacco or, or whatnot, the use of the term legal means federal and state. And so in this case, where it's illegal federally to use marijuana, that it was proper for the employer to terminate that person. Now, it's going to depend on the particular circumstances. There are other cases in different states where, say, in the workers' compensation context, states have had specific protections in there where one case, I believe, in Washington State went up to their appellate court, and they held that the specific language of the statute did protect the person. So it depends on the, the situation, but the law won't. I think most people ought to not believe that the law is going to protect them if they're found with marijuana in their blood. I also understand that a number of employers are shying away from at least random drug testing because if they do, marijuana is becoming more and more ubiquitous, whether it's legal or illegal in a state. And it becomes a very difficult uh, human resource problem when you have a large number of people who might test positive, even though they're not using the drug at work. And uh, we all know that marijuana lingers in the system for quite a while. So what determines intoxication is both the level of the drug in the blood and the proximity with the time of use. So employers are faced with some difficult decisions there that, with them having to terminate or take action against competent people. And the other thing for students and practitioners to keep in mind is that even though the DEA is not able to take action against people complying with state law, the state boards of pharmacies don't have any such restraints. And different boards of pharmacies are taking different approaches. And if somebody's found with the marijuana in their blood, they certainly are probably violating a federal law. And therefore, in most states, the Pharmacy Practice Act say that if you violate any federal law relating to controlled substances, you can be sanctioned. There's not much protection for pharmacists. 
it sounds like overall the the bottom line is that federally it's not legal. So I think regardless of our status of practitioner, student, employee, we still need to be careful and it's still a big gray area. So with that, before we wrap up today, can you fill us in on what you believe will be the future of medical marijuana and how that will affect us uh, as practitioners? And you're absolutely right that this is a, a gray area and uh, not only a gray area, but it's black with regard to federal law. And when it's a gray area in, in the law, people are best served if they use caution and restraint. In terms of the future, it's a, it's a hard thing to know. I think if people looked into crystal ball 10 years ago, they'd be shocked to see where we are today. It seems that there are a number of forces taking place. The consensus, I think, of Americans, probably more than 50% now, that think that marijuana does have some medical use. Of course, there are challenges trying to find whether those uses are indeed true because of the difficulty in conducting studies. So it's unlikely we're going to see the FDA approve marijuana. And we've seen a number of products coming out. So we have THC that's available. We have CBD that's available now as a drug. So the question is, what's going to happen with the FDA? And I don't think the FDA is going to approve it in any real sense. So anybody who's using marijuana, raw form, is likely not going to be complying with food and drug regulations. The DEA is another question. There's a lot of pressure on the DEA to loosen up on the scheduling of marijuana. Uh, there haven't been a lot of signs of that. The DEA reiterated the position that it's still a Schedule One drug because it doesn't have any medical use. So in a sense, the DEA is relying on the FDA to say there's no approved medical use, so therefore it has to be a Schedule One. I think several states will continue to liberalize marijuana laws in the sense of there are probably more states that uh, allow recreational use because the states that have done so already haven't suffered any consequences from that at least from the federal government. People would argue whether the cultural societal values or whether there's been harm in general to the population, that's a debatable point. And there's a lot of money in the system, and that's another force that's important. As you see these states consider medical marijuana, they're thinking about revenue. This has become a big business, and those people that are in the business lobby legislators, and legislators even probably in some cases have some financial interest. So I think the finances are going to continue to drive movement towards allowing you the recreational and medical marijuana. What the future is going to be in terms of the tension between federal law and state law, that has yet to be foreseen. A lot of it has to do with who's in the White House, who controls Congress. So that's really, I think, totally up in the air, and certainly until after 2020. The one thing I would say is that one thing we're seeing is some states are getting pharmacists involved in uh, medical marijuana. And that might be a trend that we might see because I think people are recognizing more and more how pharmacists might be able to help in the use of marijuana. Even though there's many of the uses aren't proven uh, with controlled studies, you know, the effects of marijuana and it, its effect on patients, its effect on the other drug therapies, having pharmacists involved has been viewed as a positive thing. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see more states get pharmacists involved. I think that last point that you brought up and how pharmacists can help patients with medical marijuana, this is definitely a trend that we're going to be seeing in the future, like you hinted at. And I think we're waiting on, you know, the brink of whatever happens politically to see how far this goes. But overall, this is a really interesting topic. It's a great addition to the series. And I think it really brings a different perspective in terms of the legal uh, aspects, as opposed to what the indications can be for medical marijuana. Bill, we can't thank you enough for being with us today. You've brought forth a lot of great thoughts about the 
the legal aspects of marijuana and and even hinted at some of the things that we can do as pharmacists as it becomes more pervasive in our different practices and our different health systems. listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all of your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about our professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. This episode was conceived and developed by Chase Board, Lily Van Chang, Ha Fan, Alex Mills, Megan Brown, Lori Fleming, Josh Fleming, and Stuart Haynes. 